This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. This episode will likely reach your ears on Halloween 2023. So, in between your spooky, scary skeletons, your monsters mashing, and your candy eating with abandon, let's talk about death. Halloween, of course, originally started as a celebration of the natural cycle of life and the termination of life and the starting of that cycle again. Modern-day Halloween is a long way removed from those ties to the natural world, of course, but consider this. Maybe we should return to those spiritual roots of this very commercial holiday. And maybe modern-day witches and Wiccans can lead the way to doing just that. What you're seeing is death all around us. The leaves are turning these beautiful colors because they're dying, but they see this as what's being celebrated. Helen Berger, a sociologist and researcher at Brandeis University, joins us in just a moment. Stay with us. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome back to Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. Halloween has become such a family-friendly and, yes, commercial holiday. It's easy to forget this is a holiday about death. The skeletons... The zombies, the gravestones in your front yard, the creepy plastic ghosts we put up on our front porches, those are all supposed to represent dead people. Sorry to remind you of that. But of course, Halloween started as a much more serious spiritual holiday, and some cultures still celebrate holidays, like Dia de los Muertos, around the same time of year. So on this Halloween, let's talk about death and whether modern-day witches can teach us something about how to celebrate it. Our guest is Helen Berger, a professor at Brandeis University and an expert in the study of real-life witches. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm actually a researcher at Brandeis. I'm a professor. I was a professor, now uh, emerita, from Westchester University. I'll just make that correction. Okay, so for those who don't know you, tell us what you do. And it'd probably be a great place to start to talk about the difference between a researcher and a professor. Well, a professor is actually teaching classes, and I'm not teaching at this point. I'm just doing my research and writing. So um, I'm not on the faculty at Brandeis. I was on the faculty, and I remain emerita at Westchester University in Pennsylvania. You know, we're we're going to get into your opinion. I mean, this is show us all about disagreeing um, on on opinions, but I, I... I had to ask whether you ever felt the pull to practice. It's a good question. And I never had the spiritual experiences that people tell me about who are witches. So I would say not really. But there are aspects that I find very appealing. So it's a good question. And indeed, You know, one of the things when we're talking about Halloween or we're talking about Samhain, as the Wiccans would refer to it, when I first started doing the research, the notion that 
death is to be celebrated really truly bothered me because like most Americans, I don't like death. I don't like that people that I ha have loved or love, I would say continue to love, have died. I don't, I'm not crazy about the idea that I myself am going to die and that other people that I care about are going to die and that my pets have died. Right? I'm not crazy about death, but I've come to really appreciate how they look at this. And it's really, you said, can we find this helpful? Is there something to learn? And I would say yes. The other thing that I have found so appealing is the celebration of the seasons. It's made me really appreciate the seasons more. So I guess the opinion you're bringing to us is that, A, we should care about what this tiny, tiny percentage of people who call themselves witches or Wiccans think. We should care what they think in 2023. And before we get there, though, I guess we have to know what that means. I mean, in the 21st century, what is a, a, a witch or even a, a Wiccan? A very good question. What are they? So you're right, they're a tiny minority of people. But just because somebody is in a minority doesn't mean that they don't have something to tell the majority. And indeed, one of the things, of course, is that more people are becoming witches. You know about TikTok witches, and it's a growing religion. So it's a religion, but it's a religion less of belief and more of practice and of experience. So when I started doing the research, I kept asking people what they believed. And people said, no, 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 it's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of experience. I don't believe in the goddess or the gods. I experience them. So what does that mean? Because I can see your skin. Yeah, what does I, that what mean? Does that? that sounds like baloney. Mm, except a lot of people have those experiences, and they're not in the minority. Many of them are Christian, and they would say they experience Jesus directly. That's what evangelicals do. But wait, I, I, I'm not trying to be argumentative here, even though we're here to sort of disagree. How do you experience Jesus without believing Jesus exists? Uh, well, there is a difference. Okay, so you are right. You're fast on the uptake. And indeed, how do you do that? And the way in which you do yeah. that is you say you suspend disbelief and you say, what is my experience in the world? That when people go into rituals and into meditation, they have very meaningful experiences of actually interacting with or getting a sign from what they feel is the other world or the divine. And these experiences are very important. In a survey I did, for example, where somebody wrote about an experience, they spoke about feeling that they were drowning. They felt they were in the water and they were experiencing drowning, they were going down, they felt themselves buoyed up by what they took to be the goddess. 
and they felt themselves embraced. And this experience was very meaningful to them. And it was powerful to them. And so one could say, well, it was this, it was that, but that's not their experience. That's why this is an experiential religion. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not, sh I'm going to say okay to move on. It seems to me, well, it's not confusing so much as it is that I feel like there's, in order for one to say, I am experiencing this, in other words, in order for me to say I felt buoyed up by this particular spirit, that assumes the spirit exists, which means I believe You know, it. here's the thing. People have these experiences all the time, and some of them take it seriously, and some write it off as just, you know, an oddity that can't be explained. And so I would say that they would say that there is a difference between being able to scientifically or rationally justify this and feeling that this is very true and important. And so that for some of them, and certainly some of the people I interviewed at the beginning of my research, they would say that they can't rationally justify this, but they know in their souls or in their gut or in their being that this is very important to them and has changed who they are. This experience that they had with the other world has changed them, made them more aware of certain things, more cognitive of certain things. Yeah, I don't want to get caught up in this part because this is not the, the opinion that you have brought to us today. Um, so what you were in the midst of explaining was who are witches in the 21st century? So in the 21st century, disproportionately women, but not all women. There are men and there are women. Uh, they are at this point of all age groups. So. I have been looking largely at people who are Wiccans or practitioners of another form of paganism. And these people are practicing a minority religion, as you said, and one that often makes people uncomfortable because when they hear the word witch, they think, oh, that's something not good. And these people are practicing a religion that they define as earth-based, that they see as related to earlier practices in which they are celebrating the cycle of nature. So Samhain, Halloween, celebrating death, and of course, for those of us on the East Coast or in the northern part of the hemisphere, what you're seeing is death all around us. The leaves are turning these beautiful colors because they're dying. Right, This is the time of death around us, and we know that animals are going into hibernation, and some of them only live one, se one season. They're born in the spring, and they die now, and there will be new birth in the, in the spring. But they, so this is a time of death and going into a quiet period that'll be winter. And so this is what's being celebrated but they see this as returning to an older set of ways. Just finished defining what a 21st century witch or Wiccan is. Um, and that brings us right up to our first break. 
uh, we're going to come back and talk about why it matters uh, what this group of people tell us um, and why it matters that they're telling us to think about without fear, could contemplate death without fear <laughs> in a serious way. And we're going to do that in just a moment. First, we'll take a short break. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and we will be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now we're back. This is Hear Me Out. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Celeste Headley. And with me today is not a witch, <laughs> but talking about witches and researching witches, Helen Berger, who says that we should listen to witches, um, as particularly during the season of Halloween, because contemplating end of life um, is a is a productive thing to do. Is that an accurate articulation? I would say they're actually saying we need to celebrate. Celebrate it. Yeah. Okay. And that is the hottest thing, and it still remains hard for me to think about. But they go further and say it should be celebrated. So you say, why would you celebrate yeah. death? There's a reason is that they want you to see this as a natural part of the cycle of the spiral of life. And that if you don't have death, like I had said before the break, in nature, if you don't have death of the leaves right now, and one year locally for me in the Boston area, the leaves did not die on many of the trees. And there was a huge concern about this because the trees need the leaves to die so they can be healthy in the spring and grow new leaves, new leaves, new fresh leaves. And this is indeed what the Wiccans are saying, what the witches are saying. You need death to have new life. That new life is predicated on the old and worn out dying. And so that this is part of the cycle of being. And there is something about that that I do find calming, is that there is, within nature, a notion that death has a place, and that all things eventually die, and that they would, with good luck, be rebirthed in the spring. Now, what you're talking about is sort of like appreciating the circle of life, right? Not to quote the film Lion King or anything, but contemplating and understanding the circle of life, you know, taking um, 
your kids out and allowing them to to understand that their their pet didn't go to a, a cozy farm up north but actually passed away because an animal's lifespan is generally shorter than a human's. You know, all that is one thing, but you're not saying just understand um and embrace the circle of life. You're saying celebrate it. Celebrate it as part of the natural order. Why do you have to celebrate it? I mean, we don't have to like that things die. I don't have to like that my dog lives a short life. I don't like that. No, and I don't like it either for your dog or my cat. Um, and I think that one doesn't like it for one's own family and indeed part of the ritual for Samhain that Wiccans and most witches do is remembering the dead and in mourning them. So it is normal for people to mourn the passing of those they love, including their pets, right? Because we love our pets. They're part of our family. But there is also a recognition that this is part of what nature and for them, Mother Earth or the goddess calls for. And so therefore, it is something that is to be celebrated. Most of them believe in in reincarnation or rebirth. So there is a notion that, again, people will come back to live. Do you believe that? No, I personally do not, unfortunately. Is it that hard for you to celebrate it? <laughs> I, mean, I find it hard to celebrate. It's true. So I would say, no, I do not celebrate death myself. Um, I understand that they do, but what it has given me is an appreciation of the place of death in the natural order of things. And the actual rituals are the ones that I have attended have been soothing in having people think about those people who have died in the people and animals in the, in the previous year. It's very common in, um, in certainly the, rituals that I've attended for people to call out the names of those who have died and to call out their pets, to speak about their pets dying. So both people who have died and their companion animals who have died. Is this one of the rituals that you're talking about that in, in the celebration? Yeah, it's very common. So, I mean, of course, everybody mourns their dead. I don't know anybody who celebrates it. Right, the people you really care about or the animals you really care about. And I suspect that people mourn the passing of plants if they feel a particular connection to them. So, okay. I mean, I get, I mean, I've been to a, a New Orleans funeral. Um, I don't know if you have. Never have, but I would love to. I've seen uh, videos of them and I would certainly love to attend. So a, a jazz funeral begins the when I a couple that I've been to began at a church and um the band leads the way to the cemetery and they play music as they're going to the cemetery that is very mournful and uh sad. Um and then they have the service at the cemetery and on the way from the cemetery leading away it's really joyful and happy and everyone is dancing as they walk away from the cemetery. I guess that's kind of close to what I think of 
as celebratory? Would you, it, do you think that fits? It is indeed. I think that is indeed very close. And I think that there are elements of the celebration of death that are in many religions. It's not unique to the Wiccans, but it is one that is very strongly so for them. And of course, Samhain for Wiccans is the most important holiday of the year. It's the new year. It's the new beginning. And um, it's a time, they would say, by the way, that not only do you celebrate death in nature and you both mourn and remember and feel connected to your own personal dead, but then in rituals, people do rituals to have things die. Things such as bad habits or bad relationships. And they feel that this doing it in ritual is helpful for them to actually be able to change their behavior. I myself have tried in these rituals to get rid of my messy desk, and it has not worked for me. All these years I've been doing, every time I, you know, and what would you like to die? It's a mess on my desk. And uh, I've been doing this since 1986, and my desk is still a mess. In between, I clean it up, but start a new project, there we are. Okay, so, you know, I I, I know I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but I uh, all of our rituals around death are kind of magic-y to me. I mean, a lot of our church rituals around death are are, are similar here, and I know I'm going to get, a, we're going to get emails from people, but we have a lot of church rituals, which are quite similar, and they're all about trying to help people grieve and mourn loss uh, to me uh, i'm not it's one of the major functions of religion right okay one of the major functions and you shouldn't be getting emails about this because oh, one of the things that religion does for people is to provide them what peter Berger, no relation of mine but a famous sociologist um has said is plausibility structures helps them come to terms with those things that are almost impossible to come to terms with, one of which is death, right? Because we all, you know, you talk about your dog dying, and I'm sure that when your dog died, I presume that's real, that when your dog died, you were terribly sad. Of course. And of course. And so one wants some solace. Um, this past year, my cat died, and I can't tell you how sad I am about his passing. I'm very sorry. Thank you. It was terrible, right? It's terrible that he died. I, you know, of course, they have a much shorter lifespan, but it made me terribly sad. And so people look for solace. So all religions do that. So what makes this different, you're going to ask? Because that's the obvious question. Right. This is where I'm going. What makes this different than the Catholic Mass? What makes this different than uh, my the Jewish, you know, uh, any of the Jewish rituals? How is this different? There are similarities. So let's begin there. So it's not completely and utterly different. It's not completely and utterly foreign. So that is... Maybe in part why you um, 
why you can learn something from this minority religion because it's not completely and utterly foreign. It's somewhat different. It offers something different, but it's not completely off the charts. It's a religion. But it is a religion in which this is something that is celebrated and in which it is one of the eight major holidays of the year and for most, the most important. So I think that does make it different because there is this actual ritual and focus around death. But all religions talk about death and try to make sense of death. Yeah. You're absolutely right. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break um, and uh, we'll, we'll come back in a moment and talk a little bit more about uh, death and, and Halloween in particular and and how you feel this might connect to what we might be doing differently on Halloween. Stay with us. This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. And with me is Helen Berger. And we'll be talking about more maybe spookiness in a moment. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Slate listeners. I'm Christina Cotarucci, the host of Slow Burn, Gaze Against Briggs. I want to tell you about a special event we're doing at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City on June 13th. To celebrate this new season of Slow Burn and Pride Month, we're hosting an exclusive live taping of the show with special guests, including civil rights activist and Black Lives Matter organizer DeRay McKesson, comedian and singer Esther Fallick, Eric Marcus, the host of Making Gay History, and Sam Fader, director of the Netflix documentary Disclosure, about the depiction of trans people in film and television. We'll dive deeper into this season and talk about the lasting impact of the Briggs Initiative and the continued fight over LGBTQ rights in schools. It'll be the perfect way to celebrate Pride Month this June with LGBTQ stories and voices across generations. Again, that's June 13th at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash slowburn. Hope to see you there. Hi, I'm Josh Levine. My podcast, The Queen, tells the story of Linda Taylor. She was a con artist, a kidnapper, and maybe even a murderer. She was also given the title The Welfare Queen, and her story was used by Ronald Reagan to justify slashing aid to the poor. Now, it's time to hear her real story. Over the course of four episodes, you'll find out what was done to Linda Taylor, what she did to others, and what was done in her name. The, the great lesson of this uh, for me is that people will come to their own conclusions based on what their prejudices are. Subscribe to The Queen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. We're back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and we're talking about Halloween, um, which has become a holiday about costumes and candy corn, whether you like it or you don't. And um, sexy nurses and 
<laughs> um, all kinds of things, except what it originally was it about. Um, and Helen Berger, a researcher into witches, is here to say that it really should be a celebration of what it was originally about, which was death and the dead. Okay, so in the time that we have left, I'm I'm not I I I don't know. I see. I, the The thing for me here, Helen, is that with all the research that you've done into witches and wicked, not being one yourself, and I understand that you're not. You don't practice this. The first part is that does knowing all this, knowing all these rituals that the these uh, uh, witches do, has did that help you? For example, get over your cat's death. That's an excellent question, and I don't have an excellent answer, unfortunately, because I hadn't really thought about that. It's hard to know. I started, as I mentioned before, doing this research at 19, in 1986. And so I've been doing this research for a long time. Yeah. And uh, longer than some of your listeners have been alive, I've, I'm going to hazard a guess. And so the question is, how has my research changed me? And that's really your question. Yeah. And it's such an interesting question, the answer to which I don't, I'm not sure of. Because I have to try to put myself back to that young faculty member in 1986 when I went off on this different path. And I'm having a hard time right now quite thinking about it. So I'm not sure is the short answer to your question. I mean, the thing I recently ask it is because your advice here is that you think we should celebrate death. And that would mean that Halloween, which was originally intended to do that, right? To remember the dead, to celebrate death as part of this great wheel of, of life and death. This is you, Helen Berger, giving us all advice that we should take this opportunity to celebrate the circle of life, the great wheel of life and death, and celebrate death. But my question is, does you, have you taken this advice yourself and has it helped you? To some degree, yes. And to some degree, of course, no. Because one, it had, what studying the Wiccans has done for me very clearly is made me more aware of the natural cycle of life and of nature and of what is happening in nature at any particular point. So I have become much more aware of that than I was before. That I'm sure of, that I have thought about, and that I'm 100% sure of. And at Halloween, you know, I think that there is something to this. I'm not saying that everybody should become Wiccan or everybody should start celebrating death, but I'm saying that one should think about this at least at Halloween. And I have to add before we separate that one of the witches that I interviewed ages and ages ago, Laurie Cabot, who is the official witch of Massachusetts. Wait, Massachusetts and has an official witch? They at least did at that time. I okay. think she's still the official witch. She lives in Salem, Mass. Where else? 
Of and course. she was the official witch of Massachusetts. Governor Conkus gave her that title. It was an honorary title. But she said, well, when you get dressed for Halloween, you should think about dressing as what you want to be, that it actually is very powerful what you dress as, because it speaks to what it is you want to be or do that year. So she gave the advice that you should pick a costume that speaks to what your desires are for yourself and for her the coming year, because remember, this is a new year. So I put that out there because some people might find that interesting or they might want to think about what they want to manifest when they're choosing their costume for Halloween parties. What do you think, Celeste? Um, interesting. I, I mean, I'm thinking back over my past few costumes, and I definitely dress as I've, I've definitely dressed as people I admire although it's not always true sometimes I dress as things I find funny I don't know that it's always been aspirational he's suggesting you be aspirational the people that you admire I would say are aspirational yes I think that's true although I, I mean definitely when I was younger that was not always true right it wasn't always true um and personally I tend to when I'm invited to one of these parties, put together a costume from something I happen to have in the closet. So I don't follow this advice necessarily. I'm a lazy costume person, and I try to see what do I have in the house that I can put together and that'll work well enough. But it is advice that I was given, and so I'm sharing it with your listeners in case it's something they want to think about doing. Anyhow, we have just a few minutes left, and I I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm fully convinced to throw a party for death, but you know, because here's the thing: it's like it's not I'm not superstitious, but uh, that said, you know, I still have in me the the idea that you can jinx things, so I guess I am a tiny bit superstitious. You know, you're always afraid that you 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 don't want to throw out a welcome mat for anybody because they just might show up. Um, and that would be the, the worry about throwing a party for death because you don't want the, the guest of honor to arrive at the door. Um, but you might want your beloved dead to stop by and give you a little nudge or a little hug. I guess. And this is the thing. Or this, nuzzle. This is a great intro to my final question because in order to celebrate death, I guess that requires one to believe in life after death. Does it not? It would make it easier. I think you could still celebrate that death is a necessary part of nature and accept that there is no, nothing after this world, that we each only get so many turns around the sun and then it's over. But I think it's much easier if you believe in an afterlife, a spirit world that people go to, or reincarnation or some combination thereof, I think it is easier. Yeah, it's and difficult think, for me, because I don't, I mean, I don't, you know. And neither do I, and that, in part, does make it a little difficult for me, but I nonetheless see how it can also be very meaningful to other people. 
and helpful. So you're um, kind of giving advice uh, that you have difficulty taking yourself, Helen. Not exactly, because I do find that uh, focusing on death is not a completely negative event. Is helpful. Focusing on its need in nature, I still find helpful. And I still think it puts one in tune with that cycle of life. And I think that being in tune with the cycle of life is a very important thing for all of us. So, as always, I, uh, I'm sure that you have some opinions on this topic, if nothing else. Um, some of you may have raised an eyebrow when I compared witches' death rituals with those of the Catholic Mass. So, we want to hear your opinions, even if they are angry ones at me. The email address is hearmeout at slate.com. Remember, we are absolutely honest. We do want to hear from you, not just your responses to the shows we share, but even your opinions on topics you want to hear about. Maybe after hearing from Helen, you're hungry to hear more talk about the spiritual world. Maybe in advance of Thanksgiving, you want to arm yourself with information about a hot political topic that you can argue about. Uh, Maybe you want to argue about what is the best recipe for macaroni and cheese. Maybe you think macaroni and cheese should have corn in it for some ungodly reason. Perhaps there's just an opinion that you keep seeing expressed out in the world and you just don't get it. Whatever it is, we want to hear from you. The email address is hearmeout at slate.com. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by Maura Curry, who does not put corn in her macaroni and cheese. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations, and Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Until next time, speak your mind, but keep it open, and happy Halloween! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's opinion palooza season here at Slate. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, the host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the courts and the law and the Supreme Court. As this Supreme Court term hurdles towards its close, the justices are handing down decisions that will shape our politics and our lives for years and decades to come. My team and I are putting out analysis of the biggest cases just as quickly as we can bound to our closets and fire up our laptops to speak to you. From presidential immunity to social media content regulation to domestic abusers' gun rights, we will be here unpacking the news for you. Listen to Amicus wherever you get your podcasts.